Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Hello, my friends. Today is January 12th, 2021. 1-12-2021. Wow. So we are in the second week of this new year. And just a reminder that if you're not doing well, of course you're not. It has now been, I think, 10 months of a very new and different world that we are all learning how to navigate and it is unpredictable and there's no way to know what's coming or how to deal with it, which really is life. But we get lulled into this false sense of security that we can predict things or we know what normal is and we really don't. So if you're having a hard time, pat yourself on the back. This is not an easy time. All right. So today's podcast is what do you do when someone leaves you? And I've thought about this a lot. Um, I've had, listen, if you're alive and breathing, someone has left you, whether it's intentional or not. It can be a romantic relationship. It can be a friendship. It can be a boss or employeeship. It can be an acquaintanceship. It can be a family relationship. And people can leave you for intentional or unintentional reasons. Unintentional would be somebody that falls prey to a mental illness, somebody that falls prey to an addiction, somebody, for example, the older folks, our parents, our grandparents that develop things like ALS or Alzheimer's where they leave us and they don't do it intentionally. And it's painful. And each one is not more painful than the other. A person that intentionally leaves you and a person that unintentionally leaves you, you can't say one is worse or better than the other. It's all painful. It all requires grief. Um, I have a member of my own family who is not my family member anymore because they have succumbed to a very fearful and negative and he's just turned into a completely different person. I don't know. I'm talking around this. My family doesn't listen to this. It's my brother. I had to mourn my brother a long time ago. He, uh, it was, I think probably eight, nine, 10 years ago, he just ceased to be the brother I knew. And a lot of that has to do with trauma and also uh, chronic illness. And so he, the brother I knew, left. And of course, I've been left by men. I've been left by friends. Like I said, we've all been left by someone. So what I want to talk about today is what do you do when that happens? And the awesome thing is that in recovery, we have a program for that. And it is called the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. But what is also really cool is the 12 Traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous can also be used to process, investigate, um, analyze, and move through the motions of losing someone. Um, If you're lucky enough like I am to have uh, what I will call an expert in the traditions, this is a person that knows what the spiritual principles of the traditions are and how to apply them to relationships, which isn't a far stretch from what they were designed for because they were designed to keep the group, AA groups, in unity. And any two plus people are a group, two or more. 
And so with the traditions, you measure what has happened through the lens of the traditions or the spiritual principles like unity. For example, uh, tradition one is about common welfare. So it's about unity. Like what is the common welfare of that relationship? Or tradition two, God consciousness or group consciousness. Or tradition three is about membership. Tradition four is about autonomy. Then you have the tradition that talks about primary purpose. What was, what was the primary purpose of this relationship? It's really interesting. It takes some work. It takes some hours. But it is well worth it if you struggle with someone who's left and you don't know what to do with it. Now the steps, I'm going to go through the steps very briefly. So someone, let's just say, someone just left me, which is very painful and shocking. Even if you know it's coming, it is very painful and shocking. So the first thing is, as a person in recovery, is after the shock and horror wears off, oh my God, what's my part? But don't jump there yet. So the first thing is, step one, you're really powerless over someone else's decision. You truly are powerless over that. So right away, we have to move into this is something I can't control. This is a decision someone else has made based on facts or feelings or whatever it is. So admitting that we're powerless over that is really helpful because a lot of us go to a place where we want to beg someone not to leave us. And that's assuming we have some control over what's happening. So right away, step one, we're powerless. And guess what? Our life's going to be unmanageable for a little bit because it's going to rock us. And that's okay. We're human beings. We're endowed with these beautiful feelings and emotions. And then step two, we remember there is a higher power and the higher power can help me. Step three is letting that higher power help us. Maybe turning over our will instead of our will in our lives. Our thoughts and our actions is a really helpful way to to think about it too. So turning those over to our higher power. And that can include not sending the angry text or email. Not storming over there. Not trying to shake some sense into them. Just really listening to what our higher power would have us do. That also gets in a little bit into step 10. And I can tell you right now, your higher power never wants anything other than love in this equation, no matter how painful it is. Because we as alcoholics and addicts cannot afford to have anger and unforgiveness and resentment sit with us because that little seed will turn into such bitterness. And we know what happens. We know what happens when we have a seed of resentment it's our book in our book it says it's the number one offender it will make us drink but right now we don't have to be at that point where it's loving we have to let ourselves feel our feelings and guess what we can feel anger and forgiveness and love and sadness we are very complex creatures we can feel all those things at the same time so once we've gone through those three discernment steps then we move into the action steps And so doing a fourth with a sponsor is very important when you're moving through anything like this. And so in the fourth, we now get to see what happened and what our part was. And an experienced sponsor, or you may have a fourth of your own that you like, that that you're used to, you literally put down what happened. And you can list it as long or as short as you like. What happened? What parts of me did it affect? And then move into what was my part? 
So steps, step five is when you tell this thing to your sponsor, but usually step four and five, your sponsor's involved. Step six and seven, so this is a really new way I've learned to look at it specifically in this regard. Step six and seven is about placing ourselves in a position of neutrality. I know what the character defect is that's being triggered and I ask God to help me. That's six and seven. But in that process, I also ask to be placed in a position of neutrality, meaning I am not attached to the outcome of an amend if I need to make this amend to a person. So we'll just say an amend needs to be made, but not being attached to the outcome because we don't want that to drive the bus in our amend. And so we get to the making the list of amends in eight We have this person on our amend. And then step nine is we make the amend. So step nine is uh, became willing to make amends wherever possible, except when to do so would injure that person or others. So an amend being made to someone could actually be harmful to us. So we have to learn again with our sponsor and also in our discernment with God, which gets better and better over time. Like we definitely need our sponsor as a resource, but as we get more tuned into God, that becomes the, the at least in my life, that becomes the primary driver or the, the instinct and the discernment that I am learning how to cultivate ultimately comes from him. But my higher power is a really good higher power interpreter and really helps keep me on the rails. So... You may have to make an amend to that person directly or figure out a way with your sponsor to make an amend without engaging in that person. If that person, for example, has made a unilateral decision and there is no discussion, but there is a a part that you carry or that you have that you're at fault, like what do you do with that? Well, each person is different. There have been scenarios where I have made an amend but not expressed it to that person. So I have made it right, but I didn't necessarily need to make that person aware of it or speak to that person directly. And then there have been other times where I've waited. You wait. You just become willing to make the amend. And you basically go into prayer and you let God guide you for the time and the place. And that time and place may never come. But it's became willing is a very, very equally as important part of the amends process as actually making the amends. And then we move into step 10, which is just seeking his guidance, prayer and meditation. Oh, sorry. <laughs> step 10 is continuing to take your inventory. Um, So sitting with that amend is part of the inventory. Like that is part of the process in which we ask God for the time and the place and we seek his will in order to guide us to, to, um, I'm having a problem articulating myself. I apologize. Um, We wait on our higher power and we act when necessary and we connect to our higher power through prayer and meditation, which are two very different things. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Praying is asking Uh, Talking to God, meditation is waiting, tuning into your body, waiting to hear the wisdom of your spirit. And then step 11, um, I'm really mixing up 10 and 11. I apologize. 11 is prayer and meditation. 10 is continuing to take inventory. I'll go move past that. And then 12, service. So practicing the principles in all our affairs, which the the spiritual principles of recovery include love, faith, hope, brotherly love, restitution or justice, perseverance, all of those things, 
and practicing those things in all our affairs, even when someone's hurt us, even when we're grieving, even when we don't like someone, even when it's hard. And being of service, which is very important to our fellowship. So reaching out to others when you're hurt, reaching out to others who are hurting, just checking in with someone can be a beautiful way of doing service. I know this podcast, um, if you've just recently started listening, Lisa and I started this podcast years ago for two reasons. One, we thought it would be cool step 12 work, but we also really loved just getting together and talking. And we thought it was like really fruitful, great conversation. And a friend of ours was listening to us just talking about recovery and said, you guys should start a podcast, which we kind of thought was funny, but then we did. And now the thrust of this podcast is all service, especially in COVID. I made a commitment way at the beginning of COVID that I would not leave you hanging and that I would discuss matters in my own life, matters that came up. I mean, basically everything I talk to you about is something that's come up for me. And I have enough experience in life to know that if if one person is experiencing something, countless people experience those things. So these are not detached issues where I'm like, I'm going to talk about this today. It's like, wow, this came up and I used my program of recovery to move through it. And I thank you so much to those of you that reach out to me and tell me how helpful it is. That really warms my heart. It's I'm not doing it for that reason, but I absolutely love when I hear from you and I hear how you're doing and I hear how you resonate with the podcasts. So I'm sorry that you've experienced someone leaving you. It's terrible. Those of us with deep-seated issues around abandonment and rejection, I mean, this is like the worst thing that can happen to us. But there's also a God purpose in that. God may not have made it happen, But God, for some reason, allowed it to happen. And what that reason is, we may never know. Because who really knows the mind of God? Would God be God if we knew the mind of God? So we have to move as a result of these steps and these traditions. The ultimate goal is to move into acceptance. Page 417 in our book, acceptance is the answer. Because acceptance is when we release all of those things like pain and anger and um, hurt and judgment and resentment, maybe possibly revenge. And it doesn't mean we stay in acceptance. It means we work to be in acceptance. I mean, how do you ever accept that someone has died unexpectedly? That actually happened to my husband yesterday. A good friend of his died unexpectedly. He got the call in the middle of the night and it was like, what? Like, how do you move into that? Or how do you accept that your mom or your dad or your grandma and your grandpa has a, a brain-eating disease that has removed who they were from your life? You may never be okay with it. You may never come to terms with it. You may never get over the grief of it. But we can strive to work towards acceptance, which is, it doesn't mean it's okay what happened. It means that I am finding a place of peace within that. And maybe it couldn't have been any any other way. Maybe it couldn't have been any different. And moving into forgiveness, which is just love for another human being in their journey that you may not understand or know what's going on in the background. So I hope that's been helpful. I so appreciate you. And I look forward to talking to you soon. <laughs>